Welcome to the Achieve Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Feldman, and each month we explore the research, strategies, successes, and even the failures behind some of today's best fundraising and marketing for causes. As we explore each one of these, we'd like to invite different types of guests that will explore their own unique takes on what really works today and will leave us a little intrigued on what they're working on for the future. This podcast is supported in partnership with the Festival of Children Foundation. This month, we'll be exploring what happened in 2017 related to fundraising and how are fundraisers dealing with today's times. My guest, Danny Piccolo, the Managing Director of Individual Giving and Special Projects at the University of Pittsburgh. Danny, welcome. Thanks for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. All right. I have had the pleasure over the last, I think, what, two years now, two or three years, to get to know you through some work we've been doing in Pittsburgh with with the Forbes Funds, the Benter Foundation, uh, around velocity, marketing, fundraising, training, and stuff. You've been a mentor, and I know I've been doing some incredible work, but I, I want to make sure everybody knows uh, who you are before we kind of go forward. So uh, give us a little bit of the Danny story. How did you be, get to the University of Pittsburgh? Well, it's been a bit of a zigzag, uh, but uh, you know, to sum it up, I, I actually started fundraising uh, when I was a graduate student intern uh, for the local Planned Parenthood uh, near Rutgers University. Um, I had the opportunity to both work in the clinic at the time at Planned Parenthood, but also um, as a side job working with the director of development. And I was in awe of sort of, you know, there's this whole career field and whatnot. And she gave me the opportunity to write a grant proposal. I'm sure she had to edit it somewhat heavily. Um, but uh, that was perhaps my short time working there was perhaps the most transformative time in my life. Um, and as a result, I'm a regular donor to them today. Nice, nice. So it comes full circle, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> so then I was uh, um, in the Peace Corps and assigned to actually do fundraising overseas uh, for a small nonprofit environmental organization. And I can tell you that I was the Jack and Jill of all trades as a development <laughs> professional. Uh, abroad. Um, but what I, I had no idea what I was doing at the time, but really learned about fundamentals and, and whatnot. I just didn't know how to put it all together yet. So then I came back to Pittsburgh, where I was originally uh, born and raised, and uh, answered a newspaper ad for help in the development office at the local museums. A newspaper um, ad, huh? I know. That kind of show might show my age a little bit. <laughs> not, um, not at all. <laughs> um, but I spent, uh, over the course of like the next 15 years working under one uh, mentor who gave me all sorts of good opportunities and gave me a very broad broad base in terms of working with individuals. I worked in the foundation office. I worked uh, with corporations. And finally, she trusted me enough to direct a capital campaign for them, um, to which I think this day is, I feel like, is my best professional experience. So it was that 15 years that really um, shaped who I am as a development professional, worked under someone super smart and who had knowledge that was willing to be generous with time and talent. So I just uh, joined and celebrated my one-year workversary uh, as uh, at the University of Pittsburgh and uh, am thrilled to be here and uh, 
um, am looking forward to many more years at the university. So when we hear university, everybody has a couple of things in their mind, especially fundraising departments. They're huge. They have all the resources in the world, <laughs> all of these kinds of interesting things. You're so lucky you get a natural donor base coming in every year, all of that kind of stuff. So why don't you, before we even get to any of those interesting myths potentially mm. that we can myth bust, but give us a sense, tell me about the infrastructure of, of fundraising at Pittsburgh. What's it like? To some extent, it's true. We're a bigger shop, you know, uh, we have more hands, uh, but we also have a lot more potential donors and, and prospects. And, you know, the university is pretty large. Um, we have to uh, be the people who know about all of the things going on in the university. Of course, um, of course. Right? So uh, I guess, you know, 20 some schools and we've got to, you know, donors who ask us the, you know, questions that they want to know, how's the so-and-so program going, right? So we have to have enough people that can, that can prepare all of us for whatever might come our way in our conversations. Um, but generally, we have the university is pretty large um, and has a sophisticated development operation in terms of um, being established for uh, since the 1980s. Um, however, um, you know we are always looking for more hands. We always feel short-staffed. Uh, we have way too, too much to do. Um, and so, you know, there's definitely the piece where we, we're always looking forward to um, strategically placing the next person on the team. All right. So let's talk about 2017 because we want to get a sense of uh, sort of a look back. What, How the heck did 2017 go for you all? Um, and in particular, what are you seeing in, in that and, and maybe a good way that we start this is, what was maybe the first half of the year like, and then how did it end? So start from oh. there. So we're looking at calendar year 17. Always a good question by fundraisers, right? Is this fiscal <laughs> or calendar? So I'm going to focus as sometimes the public does, which is on the end of the year or the full calendar year. For, for me, 2017, the first half was in was a, a little bit uh, chaotic, if you will. Um, you know, 2017 in many ways was monumental uh, for this entire country and world in terms of a presidential election. But you also have to think about how did all of that affect fundraising and development, right? Um, yep, yep. So in many ways, we, as, as someone at the university, I oversee the offices of uh, uh, regional major gifts and our plan giving office. So a core of major gifts officers who travel around the country and meet with uh, folks who might be interested in, in being philanthropic university, right? So we encounter a lot of different people and a cross section of the United States. Um, and what we found, regardless of their political line or their or their ideologies, was that 2017 was about discovering their interests. And and because in many ways, donors, uh, America was forced to really kind of say what was important to them as individuals in 2017 right, right, yeah. more than ever, right? So I'm going to take a stand for this, this, and this, and that's what's really important to me. So as development staff, we have to say, how do we have these conversations with people that 
could inspire them to be more philanthropic. And and how I mean, how did the conversations give me a summary of some of the conversations you had with individuals in, in early 17? What did it? You know, what were common responses you would hear? Yeah, I mean, some people, <laughs> I'm going to be candid here. Some people were not willing to be philanthropic at all because they felt like the sky was falling. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and at any day we were going to be in war, right? Right, yeah. And so in in some circles, there was there was a sense of, I need to figure out what's going on in the world before... I make major decisions. And in other circles, there there was a sense of, I want to make an impact right now. And I need to find a place where I can do that. There were quite a few really passionate conversations that happened in 2017 and people willing to invest in as long as it was what they cared passionately about. And 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 how did you handle that kind of... <laughs> Um, the world's ending scenario, because I think some other fundraisers that are listening to this are going to say, my gosh, I was there. I'm curious, yeah. Danny, what did you say? What did you say? <laughs> you know, Derek, it's about, and I think as development professionals, we always know this in the back of our head. It's not about the conversation or the outcome you have in one conversation. Right, right. It's about listening. It's about chewing on what a donor says, and then when the time is right, presenting them with opportunities that make them feel as if we understand what they want to do as philanthropists. So if you're hearing the sky falling, you're probably not going to solicit that person today. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? But that doesn't mean it's a no. It means it's not today. And you have to think deeply about what this person is really saying about what they want to be as a donor. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So then now we're through the summer. You're on vacation just relaxing on the beach, right? Because you've worked so mm. hard the first six months. And now we're back to work to hit the hit it home and, and reach our goals. So tell me how the latter half of 2017 was for you. Yeah, so it was a little bit different. So we're still reeling from, you know, um, uh, everything that happened in the first half of 2017. And we're still dealing with that. But as as most of us know in the nonprofit world, that December and the fourth quarter is a huge opportunity for fundraising. You know, 60 percent. Right. I think it is, you know, ish, 60 percent ish of of fundraising revenues are received in the fourth quarter. Right. And so knowing all of this and then having the word of tax reform. <laughs> You're like, this thing is not going to go easy this year. <laughs> Right? There's a, there's a lot of curveballs. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, then we're switching to not only listening to donors, but also then um, trying to come up with responses and feeling like we're in the know about tax reform when really we're all waiting for that information ourselves. It, you know, we can't give uh, we, we were trying to understand the situation. Um, but what we know is that people, yes, they want to be philanthropic first and foremost, but they also want to be financially smart and secure. Yeah, absolutely. So it's pairing those conversations together and coming up with different opportunities for, you know what, this way of giving 
uh, such as giving through your IRA retirement assets, is doesn't affect your taxes at all. So it's educating and ma- making people aware that they can still be the donor and the philanthropist that they want to be without having a negative effect on their finances. And, and I mean, that, that right there, I think is not, I mean, would you say that that concept and ideal is not necessarily a 2017 thing, but it almost feels like that's a reality going forward, no? Or I, There's no doubt that this is a reality going forward. Um, and, and, you know, it's always been there. You're, you're totally right. It's always been there. It's just now it's shifted to the forefront. Right. It's hitting us right in the face, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and now here we are in, you know, two months into 2018, and stock market is going crazy again, right? Right. And so, you know, we're still – we're still in these conversations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so so how did the that December time frame? I mean, it's not. It, it feels like it was forever ago, right? But it was just a couple months ago, or well, a month ago or so. And what was what was sort of that December looking like, and and how did you finish the year? Yeah, so December for us, we went in. Um, we went in feeling like we were going to hit our targets. Um, you know, we we keep. Um, detailed um, progress charts and uh, forecasts and budgeting. And, and and the way that you traditionally meet your goals is to keep an eye on it month by month and sometimes even more regularly than that um, and, and, and tweaking along the way, right? Um, we saw uh, folks make some great gifts in 2017, and we ended up having a better year. Um, we achieved uh, – in 2017, our fundraising was higher than uh, the past four years, which for us was a major accomplishment. Because four years ago was we ended our last campaign. And so, you know, traditionally sometimes you see a dip and then a right back up. So we feel like we're back on that path towards, uh, you know, uh, bigger totals. So now we, we end 2018. Feels like, whew, what a year, right? And, or 2017, mm-hmm. sorry. Now we're into mm-hmm. 2018. And, and how has what you learned in 2017 and, – and by the way, we're going to talk about all the stuff going on right now, but this is, I'm sure, more curveballs as well for you. But, yeah. But, right. um, but you know, in looking back on 2017 and looking now into 2018, sort of the forward piece, what, what are some of the big takeaways that you're going to try to address this year? Yeah, so you're right. Everything we just talked about is still relevant. But on top of that – in case it, it, we don't want to lead with a lot of that stuff, we actually want to lead our fundraising conversations uh, about the donor and their interests, right? right. Um, we don't want, what we want to do is find out what, what the donor really cares about, regardless of whether or not it's at the university. Our job in as fundraising professionals is to really be that concierge for that person and guide them through a philanthropic process. Um, and, and so for us, our strategy is how do we engage more people, uh, and not just through development, right? It has to be more people at the university engaging, um, the folks that we think can make the bigger gifts and our alumni in general. In the university setting, because I know alumni engagement, which we know is tied to giving, and there's so many studies that talk about this, but but in particular, 
where do you, how, or what types and styles of engagement do you seek to try to develop for those that you think have the potential? to be donors? It's across the board. If we're, if we're talking about alumni in general, we're actually trying to take um, our, our, our university leadership on the road a little bit more. Got it. Um, he, our, our chancellor has been here for four years and um, he is personable and charming and can really represent the university well. And so we feel like, hey, <laughs> let's take this rock we're gonna star. Get, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Right? Yeah. So so from that perspective, it's really about taking the people who can talk about the future of the university and the value of the degree and what's really important to us right now in terms of um, student and um, uh, student loans and, and affording college these days. These are all relevant things that many of us had to deal with when we were going to school ourselves. Another thing that I think I'm really trying to focus on in 2018 is how do we how do we use what we've recently learned as a nation about crowdfunding and take yeah. that to the next level. Yeah. Right? So and and crowdfunding, yes, many times it's the it's the ten dollars, it's twenty five dollars, it's the hundred dollars, but that can also Crowdfunding can lend experience to major gifts, too, about how you, how you present a really concise case and uh, in and have people make a decision and not never even meet with a person. Yep. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because as we know that we need more participants in the process of giving and getting engaged, those are opportunities to get them to the table. You're right, Derek. And, and that's actually the third thing that's been on my mind this year, which is bridging that pipeline to the major gift prospects, right? Yep. How do we take the person who's been loyal, uh, a loyal donor over uh, a number of years and, and, grow them into someone we think make a maker a bigger gift, right? And it's still about engagement. But we can't all of a sudden, 30 years after someone graduates from the university, call them up if Say, we have engaging the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But this isn't also this isn't 2018 either. This is just things that we should have been doing along the way. All nonprofits should have been doing yeah. along the way. That we really need to really get on it now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, we could talk for hours, I think. Hours <laughs> and hours, my friends. But uh, uh, so as we leave here, uh, any sort of piece of advice for 2018 for somebody who's listening to this? Any sort of the one or two Dannyisms that you want us to leave with? Oh, my. So, you know, for, again, I have a major gifts hat on. I have a planned giving hat on. My piece of advice is to start conversations with donors uh, with a blank sheet of paper, as if you will, right? Talk about what's important to them. Find out what's important to them as opposed to assuming that you think you know what their affinities are. And I think if you start that conversation from a genuine, I really want to get to know this person and, and how they want to define their philanthropy, then the results be great on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Danny, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. This has been fun. Well, that wraps up this month of the Achieve podcast. We want to thank Danny for her time today and thank you for listening. 
We'll look forward to the next time on the Achieve Podcast.